So Jonathan from Red Beard Outdoors, welcome to the show, brother. Thanks. Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. I, I enjoy listening to your content. I actually um, just listened to the Dudley show uh, mm. yesterday when I was doing my long, long ruck. That was a great interview. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, man. It's, uh, you know, it was cool. Um, you know, you, you meet him at TAC. Uh, you talk mm -hmm. to him for a little bit. And then uh, for him to just, you know, I invited him on the podcast. He's like, yeah, let's link up. And then how humble he is. And I know he's, he's one of those guys that can be polar, uh, you know, for a lot of people. I don't understand why. He's one of those people that has this personality. And then you meet him and you talk to him. And you're like, man, all these things people were saying about him, like, doesn't it doesn't make sense. You meet the guy and he's like yeah. the humblest dude, open-minded, loves archery and just wants to share it with other people. So you've been in the community a lot longer than I have in the hunting community. What, what is the, the other side of the equation? Because I, I really like him. I mean, I've, he's been uh, like the knock on stuff in terms of the school of knock and those things have been invaluable for me as someone who just picked up a bow, you know, nine months ago. Yeah, you know, honestly, so there's a lot of people that don't like him because he, um, he, he's got, I don't know, I guess people would say the old school mindset because he's been around for a while. Um, but he, he also isn't into the whole follow trends and do all this stuff. And, and I'm a big tinkerer. And so, you know, I follow the trends and, and see what it's about. And there's a lot of things I don't agree with and don't like. And, um, you know, he was kind of going on about, uh, I guess, the heavy arrow trend that's happening the last right. couple of years. Right. And he wasn't happy about the progress that he's seen because he, he's got a, one of those weird memories, too, where he can remember your face and remember uh, tons of things about seeing you. At just total archery challenge. And he sees thousands of shooters. And uh, he, he remembered seeing some people that have gone backwards in their skills because of their following certain trends. And he was like, you know what? After Utah Tech, he was like, I'm fed up with this. I'm done. I need to, you know, tell it how it is and, and get people back on track and stop focusing so much about tinkering and mm -hmm. focusing more on um, on basically just shooting your bow and get better at shooting your bow. Uh, he's also one of those people that, you know, and I love people like this, and this is why I latched on to Dan um, when I first got started into archery, Dan Staten with Elk Shape. He, he obviously has his brand. Um, Dan and uh, John both have their own brands. They both shoot specific bows. Uh, but John, even and on our podcast, he talked about, he's like, you know, I still test Hoyts and I still test Matthews when I do these tests. Like, I love the bows that I shoot and I make them that way, but I understand they're not the only bow out there. And I love people like that. I do too, because he's not like a, even though he's the PSA, he's, he's even got his own bow. He's not like a super homer for PSC. I mm -hmm. mean, he, he, like you said, I think he's, I feel like he's pretty about, you know, pretty even in terms of the way he talks about things. Like you said, knowing that everyone's shooting something different and has a favorite. Yeah, exactly. And that, and people like that as are, are who I'm attracted to in whatever the industry is, whether it's fitness or archery or hunting uh, people that just want people to genuinely get better and obviously celebrate when they're shooting the same bow as you and like, oh, that's cool. I'm glad we have similar likes and tastes. But, um, you know, I'll take my my Mach 34 
into the bow shop yeah. and there's people that are like, man, you know, I had one guy who was like, dude, it looks like a girl without curves. And I'm like, well, I don't think of my bow as a, a chick, but sure. And then there's other people that are like, wow, that thing is awesome. And I love the color scheme. So, you know, it's just, you know, it's the same thing with guns. There's SIGs right. and Glocks, and that seems to be the two big things out there. Uh, rifles, same thing. People hate 6.5 Creed more. It, it's just there's always polarizing things, and I think it's kind of silly when, um, uh, you know, when it comes down to just how good of a hunter are you? Are you ethical? And uh, do you know your equipment? You know not to shoot a 6.5 Creed more out to 1,000 yards on an elk? Um, you know, like, and do you know not to shoot a rabbit with a 300 win, uh, win max, you know, like, it's just like, it's just, it, I don't know. It seems like common sense to me, but it is what it is. Yeah. No, I've, I've never really understood that, you know, the being just in a camp, you know, like I've, I, I carry, uh, a, a three, a SIG 365 XL as my everyday, but like when I go to the range and I'm carrying something outside the holster, I like my Glock 19, mm -hmm. you know, so I, I'm not like a brand homer um, around stuff, but I know there's tons of people that are like that. I've never really got understood that. Yeah. They um, just need to find their tribe. And that's the thing yeah. too, is uh, it's good to find a tribe, but that's why like latch onto the right tribes, if that makes sense. Like you, you latch onto certain companies and those companies are going to change. I mean, there's marketing involved. There's people involved. I've seen even just in my brief moment in the outdoors industry, there's so much movement. People, uh, companies get different ideas. You move spot. Like there's so much stuff that happens there. It's hard to uh, latch on to a company as your tribe. But look at it as gear. Look at the people as who they are. Like, for example, I may not, you know, I, I partnered with Initial Ascent. But I, when people ask me about Kofaru packs, I'm like, Kafaru makes a great pack. I'm never mm -hmm. going to say they make a piece of garbage because they don't unless they genuinely do one year. And I'll, I'll say that, but like, just cause I shoot victory, I'm not going to say that Easton is a piece of garbage arrow. Cause it's not, you know, it's just, it, that's how I feel like people should be. You know, they come to me, they ask me my opinion. I'm like, here's my opinion. Here's why I shoot what I shoot. But there's so many other ones out there. If you're just getting into archery, you don't have to latch onto PSE because some dude with a red beard shoots it or some <laughs> six foot four giant of, you know, John Dudley shoots it. Like right. go all the, go shoot all the bows and maybe you'll come across the PSE that you like or a Matthews or a Hoyt or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. And PSE just got purchased like a, a few months ago too. So yep. like you said, who knows what that company is going to be in one year or two years or whatever. Mm -hmm. Anytime somebody, anytime a company gets bought especially you know sometimes these brands in the outdoor industry start as smaller brands mm -hmm. you don't know how the corporate environment is going to impact that so like you said you, you got to just kind of continually be looking at those brands and testing them to decide what's the best fit for what i'm doing right yeah now. exactly yeah. and and with that with the purchase um you know it's funny i i knew the people that were involved in the purchase and um their actual genuine a lot of people were worried about this and uh, there's been, even since then, there's been a lot of movement cause I was going to have one of the guys on the podcast to talk about it. And, um, there's been a lot of movement even since the, the purchase of PSE and how they're in involved the ownership in tech or, or what? Yeah. Just the, the partners involved. And so, okay. uh, but the, the, the core of it is basically, uh, they are good people. They're hunters, they're outdoorsmen. They're not just suits looking for a return. That's I mean, good. that's what, that's yeah. the way I, I put it to people. Um, without going into too many details, but the people that I know that are involved in it are not just looking to create a big group and, you know, go 
downgrade the equipment to make more money, more of a profit margin. It's the opposite. It's they want to actually improve the equipment. Yes, they want to make a profit. Obviously, that's why they bought the company. But they they are not focused on the profit. They're focused on making the company better, and in turn, that will turn profits in the better way. It's a longer it's a longer play than um, you know. If, if people know much about business, there's a couple different avenues you could take it. But that's why I latch onto like First Form, for example. Uh, they don't skimp on anything. Uh, but there's also hardly ever, if any, discounts, you know, for for stuff because we believe in the product and and that we sell. It's a longer play because you're like, well, at first everyone else is doing these sales and this and that and the other, but you're like, I know I've got the best quality product. I'm going to stick with that, and then you build a more loyal following, and then those people in turn will share it with others. And so years down the line, you're making a profit, but it's not a quick you know, I guess flash in the pan or turn and burn um, style that you could just send everything to China, make it super cheap and then turn a quick profit. So that's, that's kind of the way PSE is going. And, and I like companies like that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I've built uh, a, a few different companies and now I do a lot of consulting work and that's always been my philosophy, whether the stuff that we built or in working with, with people on the consulting end is, even if it's a brand new business, that's what I tell them is position yourself in the marketplace where you want to be five to 10 years from now. Don't go in as one brand thinking that you're going to eventually be a different one mm -hmm. later on because the client base there or the, the customer base that you pick up now is either going to stay with you or leave you when you decide to change down the road. And so whatever you establish with those people now is their expectation is the expectation they're going to have later. So don't screw that up by thinking that you're going to be cheap in the beginning and then raise your prices later. It doesn't usually work like that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. So a lot of people, uh, you know, the, a lot of the people that listen to my podcast on, on Spotify and, and, um, on iTunes. And then obviously I just started doing the YouTube thing, um, which takes a lot longer to build, but a lot of them are East coasters. So why don't we just start with you're in Montana, Wyoming. What, what part of the, the West do you live in? <laughs> I'm in Utah, right? Utah, Smack dab okay. in Mormon, Mormon Central. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> I actually, in, in a former life, a long time ago, I coached college football and played at BYU. Uh, when oh, I was there you go. At Murray State. That was one of the prettiest stadiums with the backdrop of the mountains that I've ever played at. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. BYU. I went to BYU for a year um, in college, and and it's a private university. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's a gorgeous campus. And uh, you're right. That stadium is just amazing right there with the with the Wasatch Front right there behind it. And then, uh, you know, you get those sun sunrises. If you get out there and get pictures of that or even the sunset, I mean, it's just, oh, man, it's gorgeous. Nothing like it. No, it's it's amazing. I've I've I'm which I'm sure we'll talk about here in a minute, but I, I've kind of. The, the longer I've got a client that I picked up in Colorado and, you know, I've been out west before, but I don't know. There was something about going out there when I started working with these people that was different than anything I've ever been for that kind mm -hmm. of is calling to me. And it's, I think it's probably part of it's just the hunting thing too, being a new deal for me. But um, I looked, so you've done 262 episodes of your podcast. How, when did that mm -hmm. actually start? How long ago does that equate to in so, time? And I need to get this because I keep, people keep asking me, it was either June or July of 2021 that I finally started. So it's been a little over two years. That's a lot of content in two years. So you're yep. doing what two, 
I know you got Tinkering Tuesdays and then you got Saturdays. So you're doing two po- two podcasts a week. Is that right? Yeah. And at one point it was up to three. I was doing like a I think Monday, Thursday, Saturday, something like that. The one was mindset, one was gear. And I'm like, man, that's a little too much. Um, and so you still I, work, right? You've still got, <laughs> yeah, I've got a nine to five. Company. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of, that's a lot of work, yeah. bro. But you, oh, you yeah. also have a family, right? Yep. So you're balancing that. I can't even imagine the amount of time and energy that's, that was going into that. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I keep trying to convince my wife to get on the podcast because people keep asking for her to get on. She's like, what am I going to talk about? I was like, just talk shit on me about how I'm always gone how I'm always doing stuff. <laughs> this is your chance, right? This is your chance. <laughs> yeah. She's like, but, no uh, go. I'm not doing it. Yeah. But yeah, we've got five kids, um, five kids. So a total of seven here in the family. Uh, I've got the podcast my own brand. I work, uh, with tons of companies that, I just absolutely love it, whether it be just through friendships uh, up to partnerships. And then, um, yeah, I've got a nine to five. So, uh, yeah, my boss the other day, <laughs> we uh, so I'm, I'm one of those people that I'm not a, a creative per se in the in the idea of like coming up with new gear. I love leaving that to other people mm-hmm. um, because I, I'm like, there's so many great ideas out there. But what I do like and something that I've found that I really enjoy is finding companies that are either smaller or family companies, or I know have a good idea and just need a platform to get out there. Something that I trust that I've used. And I love partnering with brands like that because I just want to help them. And uh, again, I don't have the mind of being able to create a new knife or a new bow or new strings or you know arrows, et cetera. But I do like to talk to people. I love to share people's stories. And then people, for some reason, trust me uh, to to go over gear. So um, I like to share my genuine opinion on things. Uh, and there's even more companies out there that have sent me stuff that I'm like, I don't like to do the clickbaity thing where it's like, oh, this thing's a piece of garbage and post it on YouTube and all that. I like to I like to be pretty genuine. So there's companies that will send me stuff that if I don't like it, I just let them know, hey, I'm not going to post about it, you know. I appreciate you sending it to me. I'll send it back to you if you'd like. Um, here's my feedback. It doesn't really apply to me or the listeners, um, you know, that that listen to the podcast. So I don't. I just don't do the whole. Here, this is a piece of garbage. Let me post about it because everyone's going to be like, yeah, and you know, jump on board with that. I I just don't do that. I I don't agree with that. So. Yeah. And how far into the podcast was it where? people started sending you stuff or did you actually start reaching out to brands that you liked um, to discuss or, you know, after you had reviewed them just on your own or how did that whole thing happen? It was kind of a mix um, to be honest with you. And even from day one, I, so I'm a firm believer. There's a, there's a fine line between confidence and cocky and you, you need to, I think confidence is, you recognize where you're going, even when nobody else knows, but you don't, but you also are humble enough to realize where you're at currently, right? You're not five years down the line, Jonathan, you're today, Jonathan. Yep. And so there's companies even today that I'm still in negotiations with that I'm like, I, I refuse to work with other companies in that space because this is the company I want to work with, period. And because I want the good quality. I want to be able to recommend something to my listeners that is of the best quality. And then I want to be able to provide a discount 
wherever possible for my listeners as well, because I understand that a lot of people are out there and can't afford the top of the line gear um, at retail price. And so that's kind of the way I approach things. And so when I get rejected, even from day one, when I was reaching out to companies, so I guess the, if we want to dive down this, this rabbit hole, uh, we can dive down few... whatever rabbit hole you want. Yeah. I just, I, I always, I'm interested in the entrepreneurial piece of just about yeah. anything. Um, so yeah, I, that's, there is some interest there if, if you want to talk about it. Yeah. Perfect. So, uh, I, I love marketing and I love, um, I, I love getting things out there and that's why I like the podcast idea rather than, you know, I didn't dive down YouTube, full YouTube video productions because, right. uh, I don't want to edit that stuff. And honestly, <laughs> I don't edit a lot of my podcasts. Uh, <laughs> a lot of the time I don't, um, the yeah. only time I can think of is maybe a handful out of those 262 episodes, uh, 263 tomorrow. Um, I have actually edited maybe a handful of them because internet cut out and I had to put two pieces together like that was just about I, it i'm like, the exact same way i've had yeah two podcasts where the internet went out on me i had to you know stop it put the two together and the really big thing for me is i got an intro and an outro and now i mm -hmm. have to you know put those on top too but other than going in and cutting out stuff i don't like i, I just would rather have it be a natural conversation honestly exactly exactly so uh with with the uh partnerships thing so from the beginning, I can't remember the number of episodes that I told myself, but when I got started, I was like, look, this is the date you're going to start. And I think I told maybe three people. Um, but I was like, I'm, I'm releasing one this date period. I don't care how crappy it sounds. I don't care how, whatever, like I'm sending one out this day. And I, it was, that's what I was saying. It was either July 1st or June 1st. Um, mm -hmm. but either way I did it. Uh, my wife listened to it. She's such a saint. Thank you. You know, but uh, a couple of my other friends and they were just kind of like, dude, you don't, you don't sound like you, like people enjoy talking to you. Mm -hmm. You don't sound, you sound monotone. And I'm like, well, cause I'm talking to a freaking microphone. Like this is, I, I don't like it, you know? So and your first, uh, but your I, first one was by yourself. It was not with, yeah. Guy. So the okay. first, that's difficult. It was, man. Like, it was like the first 20 or so because okay. I told myself, I'm going to set a certain number. Once I achieve that number and I've been consistent, then I'm okay to reach out to people that actually matter, you know, mm -hmm. um, again, trying to get the quality guests on. And so, uh, and, and I didn't want to waste people's time. I didn't want to burn out. I didn't want to be a podcast that was like, oh, I had some cool guests and then I'm done. Um, I wanted to prove that, it, you know, this is, this is me. I'm consistent. Here's my track record. No one knows who I am. Uh, you know, that kind of deal. And so I, I did that. And after the first, I think it was like, it was like five or 10, somewhere in there. My buddy was like, dude, you got two options, man. You either need to figure something out or you need to stop. Cause you don't sound like you on the podcast. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, I guess you're right. And so I don't remember where I picked up the, the idea from, um, if it was listening to another podcast or, I never really took any coaching. Um, I've always enjoyed public speaking. This is a whole nother animal. When you're talking to a blank screen and a microphone, it's like, I don't know. It's just weird. I can get up in front yeah. of people and do that and and love it. But just me well, by myself in an office, it, it sounds weird. And you're engaging. Like even, even if you yeah. were only talking, you get feedback from mm -hmm. facial expressions, from looking around the room. You can pick somebody out and engage with them. Mm -hmm. When you're talking to a camera, you lose all of that, which makes it feel yep. very, very different and very difficult. 
Yep, exactly. And social media is another thing we can definitely dive into because I, I, I didn't like doing stories and stuff like that too, because it's the same thing. I'm looking at myself. I don't like to hear myself talk. Like I don't, I rarely go back. There's been a couple of times where I've had people reach out and they're like, Hey, you're missing audio in this section. I'm like, crap. And I'm like, I don't, I don't go back and listen to it. I don't like yeah. listening to my own voice. So, um, and you don't have a guy to pay which to yeah. go listen to it for you and, and make sure it's all buttoned down. It's you're doing everything yep. yourself. Exactly. So, uh, anyway, I, after I think it was five or 10 episodes, I had that buddy. It was like, dude, you either need to quit or you need to figure something out. Cause this is not, it's not going to go well. And I was like, yeah, you know, and I'd listen to a couple clips. I'm like, oh, man, like, what do I need to do? Anyway, I, I found a trick to where I would basically, I'd close my eyes. Cause at the time I wasn't recording video. It was just audio. And I'd close my eyes and picture the audience that I was speaking to, mm-hmm. whether it be the gear reviews. It's just me talking with my buddy Brent in his barn about something that I'm passionate about. We're shooting bows or we're sitting down on his couch, whatever. Um, and then when it was the mindset stuff, it was just like my closest friends and people that were in my uh, my Facebook group, stuff like that. I'd picture their faces and it was like something like a flip or a switch flipped. And, uh, the next, the very next episode, my buddy was like, wow, like that's the you that I'm used to talking to. That's, this Mm -hmm. is, this is a lot better. And so ever since then, you know, I've had guests on, and like I said, it's varied between, uh, two and three episodes a week. Um, it's always been just one episode where it was guest. Another one was, you know, I like mindset things and I like, uh, gear. And so, you know, that's why I went up to three episodes and now two, um, and and so reaching out to companies again going back to that question where it was i knew what companies i wanted to work with i wasn't necessarily trying to turn a profit and sell again chintzy stuff uh at at the time and and so i just wanted to partner with good brands and uh and and show that i'm a i'm a quality uh brand by partnering with these other quality brands that i i didn't work my way up the ladder per se and start with again Chinese companies working up to, you know, another company like PSE, you know, I didn't start with an Amazon bow and then start working up to PSE. Like I, you know, I just did what I needed to do. And there was some expenses to that. You got to understand that too. If you're working, trying to work with the highest brand or highest companies up there, like Montana knife company, um, the majority of the knives I own from them, I bought, you know, it's not something that was sent to me, but now that I've partnered with them, um, you know, it's different. So those are and the kind of part, things when you partner with somebody, um, are you, were you, and it may be different now than it was different then, but at the time, were you looking for ad revenue or was the primary mm-hmm. goal to uh, basically uh, align yourself with that brand and then have some kind of a discount code that you could pass on to the people that yeah. were engaging with your, uh, with your media? That that's a really good question. So uh, it just varies by the company. Um, honestly, I, I'd fill them out and, and let them know, hey, I want to work with you guys. What is it that you guys like? Some of them are paid. Uh, some of them are gear for content. Some of them are, uh, you know, commission based on the sales. Uh, and then most of them are discounted for the the uh, consumer. Right. Um, Montana Knife Company. I don't have a discount code for, but. Um, you know, I really believe in and trust their knives, but also their family and the company and they, I align with their values as well. So I don't um, think they're giving a discount to anyone, bro. No, I don't no. think they yeah. need to. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. They're, they can't keep their stuff in stock. <laughs> exactly. And that's the same thing with first form. 
First form doesn't do discounts. I think every once in a while we'll do like a a clearance sale or whatever on old clothing, but um, you know, we get free shipping and, and people like, Oh, that, well, that, you know, it makes sense. You get free product. I'm like, actually I buy my own product. Like first form doesn't, I'm not a pro staff member. Um, You know, I work with first form and more specifically first form outdoors and, uh, and, and I buy my own product. I get the same deal as anyone that I send my link to it's free shipping for life. That's mm-hmm. it. And so, uh, companies like that, again, you have to recognize what is your goal? Is your goal to quit your nine to five and do a quick turn and burn flash in the pan style profit? Like what we were talking about earlier, where if that's who you want to be, that's cool. And no judgment against people like that, but you got to understand too, you're going to have to be on top of the trends and everything else all the time, because you're going to be selling cheaper gear. That's going to be, you know, breaking on people or um, cheaper products that are not going to work as well. You, you have to be on top of that um, more consistently than, you know, the way I set it up is like, I've got a nine to five. I understand I'm, I'm not paying my bills off my podcast. I'm doing it because I'm genuinely passionate about these conversations I have and the gear reviews that I do and the people that I get to, I get to speak with. And that's why I'm doing the podcast. And if I make some money off of it, awesome. But, uh, if I don't right now, that's not, that's not my goal right now, maybe five, 10 years down the line when I've got a a bigger name for myself and can actually negotiate good contracts and stuff like that, that people want and value my time in, in a monetary way, then Mm -hmm. we'll get there. But uh, that's the other thing too, is what I was saying about, um, you know, being confident, but not cocky. So when you go and introduce yourself to somebody or you go to these shows or you go to, you get invited to, you know, Montana knife company grand opening and you meet so many amazing individuals, you don't know who you're meeting. Like there's so many millionaires and uh, probably some billionaires that were at that grand opening that were all dressed like cowboys. And, um, you know, we were shaking hands with people sitting down to dinner and my wife, like her jaw just dropped so many times. Like I'm surprised she still had a lower jaw by the time we were done with that. <laughs> Cause yeah, you know, I'm sitting there having a conversation with Derek Wolf and Kip from, uh, from Under Armour mm-hmm. and, and, uh, my wife walks in and I was introducing her. I was like, yeah, he, he started Under Armour. She was like, oh, wait, like founded Under Armour. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's seriously he's dressed in jeans he's dressed in a cowboy hat he had like a a poncho style jacket on and a white t-shirt and like if you'd met him on the street and didn't know who he was you would have, have no, no idea. idea and yeah. for her she was like and i think she was expecting you know these people in suits and all that and and uh it's just I, be I, confident I, oh go ahead you, i was just gonna say you i don't know if you've ever heard this before but uh I read it somewhere, but I've, I've heard multiple people say it, that the number one vehicle driven by millionaires in the United States is a pickup truck. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like a Toyota or something. Yeah. Yeah. Very frequently, the, the people that you cross paths with that have a lot of money, they're not the ones showing it off on Instagram. Oh, yeah, exactly. So most of the time. Yep. And most of the people that are showing it off are renting the cars that they're showing off anyway. So, <laughs> exactly uh, you know, and and that's... Uh, it's an interesting idea, but going to the confidence, not cocky thing is like, mm-hmm. understand, go in with humility. And if people recognize you, accept that compliment, but don't go in and introduce. I don't go in and shake, shake hands and like, Hey, I'm Redbeard. You right. know, um, I go and I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm Jonathan McCormick. Um, right. 
And they're like, oh, okay, cool. What do you do? Well, I run, you know, I've got the Redbeard Outdoors podcast. Oh, Redbeard is usually how it ends up going. I'm mm -hmm. like, yeah, but you know, you can call me Jonathan because I'm not a, I'm not a personality. I'm not uh, one of those kinds of people. I'm just who I am. And Redbeard happened to stick just at uh, the first elk shape camp I went to. Um, Dan was like, I know your, I know your name's Jonathan, but I'm calling you Redbeard. I was like, awesome. We'll go with it. Whatever. Hey, did you already uh, have like the the podcast and stuff going at that point or is that just kind of i'm trying uh, to remember i i know i had my instagram but i don't think i had the podcast quite yet okay um, i think that was the year i started the podcast if i remember correctly yep and, and i know your instagram's got pretty good following has did you have that before or has that come more as a result of of the podcast and mm. and some of the exposure you've gotten through the, your other media sources. I think if I remember correctly, I had about a thousand followers when I started the podcast. Okay. Something like that. Gotcha. Yep. So, so um, a little bit. it's just been, and honestly, like I, I haven't, you know, there's been networks that have reached out to me, but I didn't agree with um, nothing again, nothing against any of these companies, but I just didn't agree with their ad. Um, like they were, having to put ads up for like Kia and purple mattress. I'm like, I don't drive a Kia and I don't sleep in a purple mattress. So um, I don't want that on my podcast, you know, and the, the little bit of money I would have made or having their editor, you know, edit my stuff for me, which would have been awesome. It wasn't worth me giving up, uh, you know, that. And I didn't have the negotiating power to say, Hey, I don't want those ads on the podcast yet. Mm -hmm. So again, recognizing your vision for where you want to be, is going to be, you know, up here, hopefully, hopefully your vision scares you a little bit. Um, there's a quote out there and I'm going to butcher it, but it's basically, if your dreams don't scare you, your dreams aren't big enough. And so your visions and dreams for where you want to be should be big enough that they're a little scary and you may not even know how you're going to get there, but also recognize where you're at right now. And when I was reaching out to companies at the beginning, or even asking guests to be on the show, um, that takes some, I guess, bursting your, your comfort bubble. Uh, because you're like, oh, I'm kind of putting myself out there when in reality, the worst they're going to say is no thanks or ghost you. And you're just back to where you were. It's not like it hurt you. Right. Right. And so when I was reaching out to companies, uh, you, you know, when they would tell me, no, thank you, or we don't have the money for that or the marketing for that, or we don't, basically we don't know who you are. So no, um, I didn't take that as a personal offense. It was a challenge to me. Anyways, how I took it and how I take a lot of failures is, all right, cool. I'm not good enough. Let me be better. Yeah. And and take that as that kind of challenge rather than a personal, oh, this, this company said no to me, so I'm never going to blah, blah, blah. And that's how some people will take it. And I'm going to tell you, you're not going to last very long um, because there's going to be a lot of rejection before you get yeses. You know? Yeah. Um, that's just I, how it is. I, yeah, I completely agree with you. I just, I've, I've had a, like, Josh Smith's been on the podcast from MKC and um, I got Brandlin Chalky came on not long after um, once we were wolves came out and I've had a few mm -hmm. people on and I, I've had a couple other people being like, Hey, you've got like 13 episodes to your podcast. How did you get those guys on? And I was like, I asked, you know, mm -hmm. and I think part of that comes from just my background in football and just kind of i don't know how i i learned this really early on but i've you know if you don't ask the question the answer is always no and mm -hmm. so i agree with you you have to be willing to ask uh, i think you have to be willing to do a good job when somebody says yes to you so you have to have a certain amount of not infrastructure but just you know you have to make sure it looks decent but mm -hmm. you ask right and then if somebody tells you no like you said you have to be introspective and go 
okay, there's a reason they said no. That's no slight on who they are. It just wasn't the right decision for whether it was them or their brand at the time. And the, the answer may be yes later. So, you know, yep. keep on chugging and keep asking somebody else. Exactly. Yeah. And there's, uh, there's so many, Oh, you're going to have to give me a second here. I think my wife, my daughter just set the alarm off. Give me a sec. That's nice. Are the you alarm of the house? This? Do you need to go? Yeah. You want to go deal yeah. with it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Here, I'm going to have to just, I'll, what I'll do is I'll send you a new link that way. Cause oh. I can't pause it through Streamyard. but what I'll do is I'll actually, maybe it's, I think this is new. All right, cool. All right. Go sorry back. about that. Yeah. You know, when you live That's in a no house different. with a family, it's no different than Rogan having to get up and go pee in the middle of the podcast. Right. Right? Yeah, well, his, his are like four hours long, so I don't blame him. It's <laughs> funny. That is uh, funny. Uh, so yeah. Um, just again, recognizing, you know, just being, being comfortable with where you're at and being okay with, with no, don't, don't take it as a, a wall that you can't overcome and also don't take it personally because you know and you got that from football and for me personally again i don't know there i didn't realize how big of a fear uh public speaking is for people i think it's the number two or number three fear in the world um it's really high next to like fear of heights and death or something like that and I've, I've genuinely never had that. I've got people. And so I, I was raised, uh, a lot of people know me as Mormon, but LDS. So Latter-day Saint or the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I was raised in North Carolina. Um, uh, I just, part, Utah is, Carolina. is just outside of Fort Bragg. So Fayetteville. Okay. I actually, I'm in South Carolina, so yeah. Yeah. I've, I've so, I mean, beautiful, lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, beautiful, beautiful country. I would never recommend anyone go to Fayetteville. Don't go to Fayetteville. Stay on the east side of North Carolina or the west side. Um, well, they call it Vietnam, right? That's Vietnam. What, that's, that's yep. Vietnam. Yeah. It's, <laughs> uh, it's bad. Like I found out later, um, I guess it's like legitimately the halfway point between like Miami and New York. And mm -hmm. so a lot of like cocaine traffickers will stop there. And that's, yeah, anyway, that's that nice. mix that with, yeah, mix that with a bunch of uh, recent recruits into the army that have been pushed their, you know, pushed to their limits at Fort Bragg. And it's, yeah, it, yeah, there's a lot that's of tension crazy stuff. in the air. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So anyway, um, the West Coast or the West side of North Carolina is beautiful, the Appalachian Mountains, and then the, yeah. the beaches are amazing and the Outer Banks are, are fantastic. Um, and the history of, of the state is just amazing. But anyway, I was raised LDS. And so I'd always get up. We have testimony meetings where they open it up to the congregation um, and and you can get up and bear your testimony, uh, whatever it is that you you feel so inclined to do. And I have I still have people to this day that remember me as the curly headed red, curly headed, red haired boy that would go up every single testimony meeting without his parents from the age of five. And so there's not many five-year-olds that'll get up and speak in front of a congregation without their parents whispering in their ear what to say. And I have no memory of that, to be honest with you. But I guess since then, I've just never, I've never had the fear of speaking in front of people. So um, that led into, I just knew I was going to serve a mission, which uh, if you're familiar with the LDS religion, um, mm -hmm. the, the, not the Jehovah's Witnesses, but the other 19-year-olds. Uh, that walk around and knock your door with a tie and look like they don't know what they're doing. And they've got razor burn on their neck from their collar, rubbing them after they shaved, you know, all especially, of that, especially in the, in the Southeast where oh, they're yeah. walking around or riding around on a bike in hundred degree heat and like 98% humidity. Like I, yep. 
I used to feel so bad for those guys. Like they were <laughs> killing themselves all day long. Yeah. So I went to Mexico city on my mission. So I went from Vietnam oh, to wow. Mexico city okay. and uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't, that's worse. I didn't, yeah, I didn't stand out like a sore thumb at all. You know, redhead, I was burnt Red like hair. a lobster, yeah. blue eyes, you know, and, uh, but I loved it. I absolutely loved Mexico. Um, if I could go back more often with my family and not worry about security stuff, I would, um, the people there are amazing and, uh, the food is fantastic, but you know, knocking doors all day, um, in a country that you don't know and being comfortable with a language that you don't really speak. I had to, so just kind of for people that don't know this, I had, I think I had three years in high school. So, you know, with Spanish and, um, I mean, I, I knew how to say like, where's the bathroom? I'm hungry. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, you don't really learn a ton. There's a lot of Google translate that happens in Spanish classes in high school. But, uh, and now with the AI, I'm sure they're just like getting the AI to write it for them. But, um, with that being said, I went down there with, I think they give you four or six weeks in what's called the mission training center, the MTC to learn the language. And really all you learn is how to pray. I mean, there's really, that's it. And, four to six weeks to learn the language. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's literally Spanish day in and day out for those four to six weeks. The only time you really get to speak English is when you're going to bed and by then you're exhausted. So you're not really talking anyway. And, mm -hmm. um, and then also uh, when you have lunch, basically, and you're around other missionaries that are speaking tons of different languages. And so um, anyway, went down to Mexico and, you know, you could barely speak anything. And I just had to learn. You, you can either go again, one of two ways. You can start sulking and and realize how much you suck at the language and feel like these are going to be the longest two years of your life. Or I took the other route where um I didn't bring my English scriptures or any English books with me at all. And I just said, you're going to learn it. It's, it's, it's a hundred percent or nothing. Right. Embrace it. And, and so I had migraines for probably the first, I don't know, two, three weeks that I was there because everything prayer, my companion was Mexican. So you're, you're paired up with another, if you're male, male, and if you're female, female, and they prefer that you have a native speaker and he didn't speak any English. And so, so I'm literally, I mean, so he just could, thrown he could right speak in Speak the language, but he couldn't really help you speak it because he couldn't exactly. speak English. Exactly. That makes and sense. he wasn't always the nicest guy. And so, okay. um, and so that even added to it. And if I wasn't so stubborn, I probably, I, I, I could see why some missionaries go home, mm -hmm. but you imagine two 19 year old guys and, and he's out of his own home state. So that would be like me going to Utah or California from North Carolina um, it was the same thing for him. So he was out of his element, um, but he knew the language. Anyway, lots of lessons learned, lots of headaches later, lots of uh, fights later, which, you know, it was a couple of days where I flat out told him, like, you say you want me to be better, you know, in my broken Spanish. I'm like, you say you want me to be better at Spanish. Well, I'm just going to talk to you all day in English. And I was just like, we we fought like cats and dogs sometimes um, until we finally figured it out. But anyway, when you know you're knocking doors you say jokes there there's one joke that stands out to me um you know again 19 year old kid just kind of set the stage 19 year old kid burnt to a crisp i'm probably as red as this cup right here you know and uh and you know you have to keep your head pretty much close close cut nice and clean so like all of this is sunburnt too for me because i have light colored hair and um 
sitting there eating at a, a, a member's house. So a member of the church's house, uh, we usually go there for lunch. And um, I think they were all daughters. I don't remember them. And they might've had one younger son anyway, sitting there with a family. And I'm trying to explain to the lady, because in their culture, if you don't eat a second plate or actually, or ask for more, they get a little offended. They think that their food wasn't good enough. And me, I have this thing where if I get hot and sweaty, I've been walking all day, um, you know, down in Mexico. I mean, the sun's just beating on you. And I just, I'm like, the food was delicious, but I don't want to eat anymore because otherwise I'm going to want to go curl up on your couch and take a nap. <laughs> and, and so I'm trying to explain like, hey, we've got other appointments we need to get to. We've got stuff to do. Um, I love the food, but it's really hot. And I, and I was trying to say, I'm really hot, like temperature. I'm really hot. I right. can't eat anymore. And I end up saying uh, the word caliente means multiple different things. Right. But in the instance that I used it, it was me saying I'm horny. (laughs) And so I'm really turned on. And so I'm sitting there at a, in a group with my broken Spanish and everyone busts up laughing. Even the mom, like they're just laughing so hard. And I'm like, uh what like uh, and i kept saying i'm like i'm hot what like (laughs) i'm horny i'm horny what (laughs) it's like i'm in heat basically is what i was saying and like and uh everyone and some of my companions like he whispers he was like this he he, at that point could understand a little bit of english and was like this means this and that i was like oh you're supposed to say i have heat like right <laughs> or it's hot outside not i'm hot you can't say that in spanish right possessive and, uh, <laughs> exactly form. so after that and and after that good laugh um again the people being so amazing down there they understand like you're coming there to serve them in a country that you don't know in a language you don't know you've left your family you've left your girlfriend you've left everything school they're so very kind and open um, and humble. And so learning to laugh at myself, I guess that also helped, um, come, come a full circle back to the podcasting thing. When you make mistakes, being able to laugh at yourself and laugh with the people laughing at you and taking the jokes and being the brunt of the joke sometimes, and being able to dish it out as much as you could take it. Um, all of those things I think have kind of built up kind of a thicker skin to where, uh, you know, again, for podcasting and for, YouTube. And if you're going to be any kind of social media presence at all, um, you kind of need to have that if you plan on doing it long-term anyway. Yeah. So interesting sidebar that actually kind of correlates to what you said, but it was like 10 years ago, we had this young, these two young Mormon guys who like came and knocked on our door and, um, you know, we're, we're, we're Christian. Um, we have strong faith in our family. It's a big part of our life. Uh, and so we invited them in. We're like, you know, look, we're, we kind of told them our story and we're like, mm-hmm. you're, you're probably not going to convert us, but come on in and like, get out of the heat, you know, cause it was mm-hmm. August that they first knocked oh, on our man. door in South Carolina. And it, we ended up kind of semi adopting these guys for the last 14 months of their mission. Like they would come over once or twice a week for dinner um one of them played guitar so sometimes they'd come over and just hang out and he'd play music it was kind of we ended up being like their little like rest area or rest Mm -hmm. stop essentially when they were hot when they were tired when they just gotten their butt kicked by like a really bad call or whatever you want to call it they would just 
come by our house when they needed a break and they're mm-hmm. a great group of kids. I mean, great kids, like super respectful. Um, and I had so much respect for what they were doing. Cause I was sitting there, you know, thinking of my kids going, would they, could they do that? And I was like, no, they couldn't do that because they hadn't, it wasn't part of the way they were taught, part of the way they were raised. It wasn't an expectation, but it was very impressive. So I think that it does build a lot of skill sets into you. It kind of forces you to learn how to do things that you wouldn't normally learn how to do at that age. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, and, and, and the thing that, that we say, you know, cause Mormons for people that don't know, just kind of a brief rundown. I know this is definitely not where you're planning the podcast to go. Uh, but- honestly, I don't plan. Like I do this. <laughs> I, I, the whole reason I started doing this was to talk to interesting people yeah. and to just yeah. get exposed to people that I thought were interesting. And so I, I have notes at the beginning of a show, but I really just go where it goes is where it goes. <laughs> and it's, and you're the guest. So talk, let's talk about what you want to talk yeah. about. Yeah. So, so for people that don't know much about LDS or Mormons, uh, we're Christian you know, we don't worship a person. Um, you know, you may think Joseph Smith or the book of Mormon, we worship Mormon or, uh, we worship God and Christ. We believe in, in the, the Trinity. So, you know, the God Christ and the Holy ghost. And so, um, and I won't go too far down that, that rabbit hole, but just for people know to know that's, that's where, we base our uh, beliefs in, and I'm a firm believer that there's many different ships out there, which would be religion. There's many, you know, we as people need um, guidance and and kind of a structure, and that's where religion comes in. But in all reality, if you boil it down, my faith is in God, Christ, and and the Holy Ghost is kind of that little Jiminy Cricket guidance uh, that that's there and and whispers in your ear and. Um, I heard something the other day. It was, uh, you, you might've heard of Dax. Uh, he's a, a rapper, um, from, I think he's in Canada or, or maybe here in the U S I don't know. I know his, he's his a background. Rapper, there's a very, yeah. Good I have not heard of him. Okay. So Dax, <laughs> DA, yeah. DAX. And he's, he's, a he talks a lot about tough subjects. So kind of like okay. Tom McDonald, have you heard of Tom McDonald at all? No. Okay. So I, I would look them up. Um, if if I were you, I, they're kind of on that other. They talk about the things that are supposed to be taboo, basically. Okay. Um, but Dax talks about um. There's in one of his songs, uh, he's got a verse talking about not, I guess, hearing the devil's voice stronger than God sometimes, and and someone that came on as kind of a guest or whatever they did a riff on his song or whatever talked about how, uh you know, we, we know God to speak in a still small voice is the, the way that we understand that he speaks. He doesn't scream in our face. He doesn't, you know, we don't have those, uh, Saul of Tarsus experiences where he shows up and blinds us. And we, we have the still small voice that we, we listen to or you're conscious as some people would, would refer to it as. And, um, the devil speaks in these louder voices that are easy to overcome that still small voice where you've got social media pulling you one way, you've got depression. That's so rampant. Nowadays you have anxiety, you have all of these other things coming after you. Um, and it's hard to, it's hard to tune into that still small voice at times. Um, and so that that's like, that's a really good point. And and it's, uh, it kind of hit home to me because I'm like, there's so many things pulling our kids 
you as a parent, you know, I know a lot of people listening to this podcast are parents and, and especially if you've got a lot of people on the East coast, they're in the Bible belt. Um, you know, you, you understand that there's so many different ways for the devil to pull at your kids and at you that you don't even recognize, except when you sit down and you kind of peel back your day layer by layer and you realize, man, you know, how many things that I actually do today or voices that I listen to today that actually made me better? How many times does, again, going back to the anxiety thing with, with podcasting or putting yourself out there, whether it's entrepreneurship or marketing or working with different companies or um, even just talking to a new person every day, whatever. Uh, how many times do you see people in the grocery store that are doing this to avoid eye contact with you because they don't even want to just do the normal head nod that you do right. in, the, in the grocery store, acknowledging <laughs> that there's another human being there. And, uh, and there's so many different things. And I, I feel like that's something that uh, needs to be stated more and more that we are, our youth are being pulled in so many different directions um, that, we as parents need to need to step up. And that's where for me and why I talk so much about the outdoors and, and I, I talk so much about getting the family out there um, is because when you're out there, it's a lot easier to hear that still small voice of God when you're out in the wilderness and you don't have cell service or you've turned your phones in um, and you're not allowed to be on social media or answering text messages or phone calls Um you know, you're, you're out there in, in the woods and it's so much easier to sit down and just think, man, you know, how blessed of a life we have, especially if you live here in the U S. Um, and then that's another big thing why I came out here to Utah, uh, and stayed here in Utah was because, um, you know, there's just something about the mountains out here. There's something about the public land that just, it just blows me away. Uh, and, and I love being up there. Um, I'm not a, a typical Mormon, I guess, where I'm, I'm not at church every Sunday, uh, especially during hunting season. I prefer to be up on the mountains or during camping season. I prefer to be out with my kids hiking, et cetera. Um, and not just, I hate to say just sitting in church, but I feel like that's one way of worshiping God is taking that time to get out, enjoy nature spend time with your loved ones and make those memories um, that you're going to remember forever. Yeah, I agree with you. I also think that if you're taking the role uh, of, you know, as father, as leader of your family, as spiritual leader of your family, seriously, which obviously you are, you can express those values and have those conversations with your kids uh, very frequently better than, I don't want to say it's better than church, but you know, sometimes, especially, and I'll just speak to where we live, you know, church is a social thing in the Southeast. A lot of, you know, there's a lot of people that go to church and I see them on church on Sunday. And then I see the way they act Monday through Saturday. And they're, they're not, you know, I don't want to, they're not living for God. They're just, they go to church because everybody else goes to church and it's kind of expected and they do business with the same people in their Sunday school class. And, but I think, you know, that's, that's something that as I've gotten older, I've gotten better at as a father is, is recognizing that a lot of that's on me. And I wish mm -hmm. I would have recognized that younger in my life. Um, but there's, you know, it's been part of my spiritual maturity as well. Yeah. And, and there's a lot to, to be said about setting that example too. I've got a, an eight year old, he'll be nine here in a couple of weeks. And he, um, 
how do I put this? He's very much about fairness. And if I get to do something, why doesn't Asher, our eight-year-old, get to do it? Or, mm-hmm. um, you know, if, if his 16-year-old brother is doing something, well, why can't Asher do it? And mm-hmm. and I have to catch myself sometimes because sometimes I'm like, I don't have time to explain right now. I'll explain later. Um, and he doesn't want to accept that answer. <laughs> sure. But like, uh, you know, there, there's there's a lot to be said about setting that example not just with your words, but with your actions as to, you know, what does this mean? What does that mean? Um, you know, when I, when I kill an animal, um, we talk about that. We use as much of it as I can stomach. And I say that because I've tried liver, I've tried kidney, I've tried just about everything, every organ in there. And the only organ that I genuinely keep is the heart. Um, because that's something that, that my son and I like to cook up after each time I, I kill an animal. Um, but we talk about that, you know, why, why do I keep this meat and that meat? Why do I process some of the meat at home? And why do I send some of it to a meat processor? You know, um, just all of those things are conversations that I feel like, I feel like, and those are kind of more trivial ones, but us as parents need to, uh, not get so upset about the why that kids ask. And there's some kids that ask more than others, uh, but the, the constant why, and as they're peeling back those layers, I feel like kids, uh, we, we, as parents get frustrated answering the why question, because we don't always have an answer mm-hmm. and that's not on the children. That's on us as the parent. And we got to recognize that. And I'm not perfect at it. So I'm not, you know, trying to get on my soapbox or anything, but it's something that I actively work on that when my sons ask me why, 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 um, there's times where I can go down that, that rabbit hole with him, And there's other times that I can't, but not showing frustration with that because I want him to be that future lawyer or even a person in a company that's like, well, hold on. I don't feel comfortable doing this. Can you explain why we're doing this thing or with the government, you know, the way things are going, there's not enough people that question why do we need to do this? Why do we need to do that? How does that benefit my community? How does that benefit my family? Um, it's, it's a lot of people just kind of bowing their heads and like, okay, cool. You said it. I'm, I'm going to believe you because of your title. I, I feel like a lot of that stems from parents and the way that people, that parents parent, uh, in, in saying I'm the parent, you need to listen. And if you think about that, a lot of a lot of my generation and maybe even the generation before me got that kind of parenting. My parents weren't always like that, but I did get a lot of that. And I feel like that has created a lot of sheep, per se. Uh, a lot of people that will just bow down because you have a title rather than learning how to respectfully have a conversation with someone that has authority. Um, yeah. I think that is that is more key uh, again, w- whether it be with government, with a job, with your own family, um, with neighbors, community leaders, church leaders, even, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's so much that goes in when you involve humans, there's so many things that can go wrong, uh, that I feel like things need to be questioned, but questioned in a respectful manner, not just, no, I'm not doing it cause I don't want to, but okay, I, I understand where you're coming from, but let's have a discussion about this and, and learning that that manner of questioning rather than just a you know, headbutting competition. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I, I actually will see 
so we've got two kids that are older, you know, out of the house, um, on their own. One's married with their own kids. One's, you know, long-term relationship. And I actually will have conversations with them, you know, about what it was like then versus mm -hmm. our youngest is a senior in high school. And we actually had a really hard conversation with her just yesterday about she's an amazing kid, like a kid you don't have to tell to do anything, super high academic achiever, athletics, like she's mm -hmm. driven to do all these things. She wants to every school she's looking at is, you know, a long way away because she she could, you know, she's got these yeah. options. That's but there's awesome. some places I don't want her to go, you know, and that was the conversation we were having was, um, well, that school has an amazing program and, you know, it, it might be the best thing for my career. And I had to explain to her why it's not a place that I want her to be. Um, and, and she was really thoughtful and respectful and, you know, her, she didn't argue with me. She had a conversation with me. And I think a lot of that came from just our evolution as parents and the way that we've been better in terms of teaching her how to engage with people than we probably were with our older kids because they were kind of in that phase of our life where we were, my wife's my business partner. We were a hundred miles an hour building, you know, our first business. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, we, we were more like you were talking about more like, you know, that's, it's kind of just how it is than we have been, you know, the last eight to 10 years. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, and there's a lot of, uh, there's, there's a lot of that shift where I agree to a certain degree of, of newer style of parenting rather than the old, uh, you know, beat you with a, with a belt. And, uh, and, you know, I still agree with, <laughs> I still agree that, yeah, I, I, there's some kids like my eight year old, he not so much anymore, but a couple years ago, he was the one that got spanked. Yeah. Um, none of the other kids needed that. Right. Uh, he's the one that needed a little bit of that. And then a conversation afterwards and, and some tough love. Whereas uh, some of the other kids are more, um, they need to, they need my conversation rather than a, than a hand on their butt. And so, you know, being able to, that's another thing too, with parents is it's hard to be able to judge and you have to know what your kid needs. Um, exactly. And you have to take the time to get to know them. You know, I personally set a goal this year and, um, outside of September where I was gone, um, the majority of September, but, uh, outside of that, every single month I've taken each and every one of my kids out on a, on a daddy son or daddy daughter date. Um, because that's something that I feel like I, I needed to do as a, as a dad was to give them that one-on-one -on -one attention. Um, sometimes it was a camping trip. Sometimes it was dinner. Sometimes it was brunch, whatever. Uh, sometimes it was checking them out of school to go to lunch, uh, you know, and, but it was, it was, I, I know that they need that interaction with me because they're being pulled in so many other directions from public school teachers um, to which we're blessed to have some amazing ones here that aren't involved in some of the extreme activities that, that you see nowadays. But um, having those conversations when they come home from school, not just accepting the, it was good. Okay. Well, what was the best part of your day? Like delving into it rather than just like, getting okay. frustrated because they're saying it was good or, yeah. right. um, you know, and, and those kind of things, letting them know that we are a safe place to come talk to. I'd rather them come talk to me about sex than go and Google it, uh, because, or talk to their friends that know nothing about it. Um, you know, and, and we're very open with our kids about that as well, but we do give them a preface ahead of time when they ask us a question we're like, 
think about what you're asking me. Do you really want to know the answer? Because I'm going to tell you the answer. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. But that's think right. about that first. Um, <laughs> because I, I also grew up in a house where it was uh, in, in kind of a culture being in the Bible Belt where it was like almost taboo to talk about. You just you just abstain. You abstain, period. There's nothing like we don't need to talk about it. Just don't do it. And and I don't agree with that either. You know, I, I, I like to explain and, you know, this is a power given to you by God to create other human beings. Um, you should treat it respectfully, not just throw it around, but also understanding they're human beings and they have hormones and they're teenagers and they're, you know, you got to have a little bit more understanding than just, uh, it's a, it's a nothing mentality. Same with drugs. Um, you know, our kids joke because anytime they leave the house to go hang out with friends, we're like, uh, return with honor. Um, and, and then we've added a couple other things like that. Like don't do drugs, don't have sex, return with honor. just kind of joking things with them. But um, we always say return with honor and each of our kids feels comfortable coming to us um, and talking to us about certain things. Uh, we have safe, you know, safe codes where our kids may not feel comfortable. And I don't know many teenagers that would feel comfortable telling their friends like, Hey, I don't participate in this or I don't do that. Um, if they go to a party, we set up ahead of time, you know, Hey, if you call us, um, you know, we'll be the bad guys. You can pretend like we're yelling at you on the phone or whatever. Um, or you can call us and be like, Hey, did, did, uh, did I need to pick up milk on the way home? And that's our cue of like, Hey, we need to, you know, we need to come get you kind mm -hmm. of deal. Uh, there, there's stuff like that, that, that we've set up with our kids so that they don't have to go through that embarrassment as a teenager of they need to just flat out say no, but they do understand there's a way to um, get out of an uncomfortable situation and, yeah. and we're there for them. So no. yeah, that's good. I mean, it's, I think it sounds like you're a, a lot further ahead of where I was at your age and I don't know how old you are, but I know you're young, a lot younger than 31. Me, so. Okay. So you're way far ahead of me. <laughs> I was just getting started as a parent at 31, literally just getting started. So I, I, I kind of took the other route, you know, worked and kind of was trying to go tackle, you know, chase my dreams and that stuff when mm -hmm. I was young. But, um, so yeah, I think that's probably speaks to the way you were brought up as well though. So that's interesting. Oh, yeah. Um, I want to be respectful of your time. So, you know, I, I, the one thing I was going to ask you a little bit about, and you've kind of, delved into it uh some is is just the the fitness fitness aspect of what you do and how it pertains to the things that you're trying to do in life whether it's hunting whether it's the way it, it relates to just your general health um because i know that you kind of start every podcast with you know faith family and fitness that that's kind of mm -hmm. you know the three tenets of of your philosophy and we've talked about faith we've talked about family so just I want to give you a few minutes to talk about fitness and how, how that fits into your, not just your life, but also your brand. Yeah, no, for sure. So fitness is, is a big deal for me and that means different things for different people. And so, mm -hmm. uh, it can be a bodybuilding show for some people. It can be a marathon for others, which I still don't understand runners. I don't know if I ever will, but <laughs> good for you. Go run for me too. Um, I, I'm somewhere in the middle where I'm not gymnastically inclined. And so CrossFit is still a little rough for me. Sometimes I enjoy the workouts. They're tough. Uh, they're good grinding workouts, but for me, I'm, I'm more of a traditional weightlifter with the Stairmaster and rucking, 
um, as kind of my cardio. And then every once in a while I'll go for a, a I'd call it a jog because it's not anywhere close to any of the speeds that some people get. But, um, have you, done, uh, you know, have you done some of those big go rock events? I know that they're one of your, you know, partnerships. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, so they're a partner of mine. Um, I haven't done any of their big events yet, but I am currently doing a 5k ruck every single day of October. Gotcha. Um, and so I did, a heavy. Uh, you know, yeah, I did yeah, a yeah. go rock so, heavy like seven or eight years ago. It's, just, oh. it's one of the two hardest things I've ever done in my life. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing is too, about that community is I I've been, been able to talk with some amazing individuals that are world-class athletes mm -hmm. um that i'm like i that's not my goal like i have to tone it back because sometimes i'm like man i need to get fit like like this person or that person i'm like ah it's not really my goal um and that's their full-time job so it's a little bit different and so fitness for whatever your goals are so I'm, again i was trying to say this it could be anything from um you know a grandma wanting to get down and up off the floor playing with her grandkids without pain. That's fitness for some people. Right. For other people, it's being able to go run triathlons and be a, an Ironman athlete and things like that. So find your goal, whatever it is. For me personally, it's I want to be the best dad possible. I want to be able to uh, share my passions with my kids and my grandkids and hopefully great grandkids one day. Um, if my kids decide that or my great grand or my grandkids decide to have kids early enough. But um I think you, you know, started I, enough. You started early enough that there's a possibility. Yeah. Well, well, that's the thing is, I knew I always wanted to be a dad. That was the one yeah. thing. Like, I had a couple different career choices that I ended up not doing any of them, and uh, but I did know I wanted to be a dad. So that was one thing that I knew I needed to start early. Plus, I want to retire and be able to go experience some things with my wife that, um, and then be able to steal the grandkids away and be like, "Ha, suckers! You guys have to work. I'm taking your kids." You know. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh that's the kind of grandparent i want to be so that's cool. uh, but but that's that's a big reason why i want to start earlier so i could still be young when i'm a, a grandparent and and retire yeah. um and uh so anyway fitness is just for me it's pick a goal whatever your goal is and your goals may change this year it may be something next year it may be another thing uh but find something that you can put daily investments into which i run my facebook group i just changed the name it was redbeard's fit crew um, I wanted it to be less about me and more about uh, everyone's different goals and the people in the group. So I changed it to the day one crew uh, because there's there's a, a very prominent quote or saying that I love. It's uh, one day or day one you decide because how many people wake up every day and they're like, well, one day I'm going to go do this or one day I'm going to do that. One day I'll get fit. One day I'm going to lose weight, whatever it may be. Or you can wake up and say today's day one. And also along with that, how passionate are you on day one of whatever journey it may be, whether it's, you know, I'm thinking right. my wife hiking Machu Picchu with a group. She was so excited about that. And by the end, she was, she was ex still excited, but she was exhausted, you know, but on day one of any journey, you're really passionate about whatever journey that is. So that's why I changed the name of that group to the day one crew, because whatever your day one is, I want every day for you to wake up with that same passion of day one of this journey that you're on. And so, um, for me, fitness is just daily investments of towards your goal. If you want to be a better hunter, if you're an archer, you better be working on your shoulder capsule strength and mobility daily, not just every other day or a couple times a week. I recommend daily. And that's not just pulling your bow back. Um, that's getting some, some bands. So a company that I'm working with, um, 
uh, that does the the stretchy bands. Um, I'm trying to remember what the bands are called themselves, but anyway, getting those stretchy bands and doing certain shoulder capsule mobility uh, work is something that's going to provide you longevity in in the long run. Uh, you know, I've had so many people telling me these older folks that are like, "Why are you shooting 80 pound bow? You're going to tear up your shoulder." I'm like. I, I mean, I shoot it because I can and it doesn't hurt. I'm not struggling to pull it back at all. I pull it back like butter. So I don't feel any pain. I don't have any clicking. I don't have any issues. Um, and I work out every single day and I make sure that my shoulders are healthy for that reason. And not just my pulling shoulder, but also my my bow shoulder. You know, yeah, you got to do totally. both. Exactly. And it's not just about how big are your deltoids, how big are your traps. It's the smaller muscles and tendons and ligaments inside there that are more important uh, to focus on when it comes to archery. Cause you'll see these big bodybuilders. I can't remember who it was that Cam Haynes had come out. Um, but it was a big Jack dude and he'd never pulled a bow back and he goes to pull a 70 pound bow back and he can't do it, but he can bench press 500 something pounds, you know, like it's a different type of strength and mobility that you need to work. So again, if you're going to be an archer, make sure that's part of your routine on a regular basis. Your what nutrition are, just, I mean, I think that's a really yeah. important. So what, what movements are you, when you say work at every day, what movements? Yeah. Are, so there's, you, um, you know, there's some good videos out there. Yeah. There's good videos out there on, uh, so ATYTs is a big one that I do. I try and do at least, uh, five to 10 sets of those every single day, um, with lower weight. Uh, so I'm not sore every day but just getting that range of motion in. So the ATYT movement, I would look that up for anyone that okay. is interested in that. Um, also your external and internal rotation, uh, look those up and don't do like, you'll see people out there with like dumbbells that are at like a 90 degree angle and they're doing this. Mm -hmm. That's, it's not doing anything because gravity's pulling the dumbbells down. It's not pulling against you. So right. either lay on your side and do that motion or get some stretchy bands and and look up some internal and external rotation for your shoulders. Uh, that's something that that will help with your stability. Um, you know, if anyone listened to uh, you know my podcast about the about my first archery elk with a with a bow, um, I don't remember pulling my bow back. Some people get the issue where they can't pull their bow back in the moment because um, they get locked up. You know, I, I would go and muscle memory is not technically the right term for it, but if you're working your muscles enough to where um, you're in that moment, you don't have to think about how the bow, how heavy the bow is that you're pulling back. You just, it just goes back like butter because you've done it so many times and your muscles are good to go as far as mobility goes. I'm a firm believer of that. I, I genuinely did not feel the draw cycle at all on my bow when I drew back on my, on my bull this year. Um, and I, I attribute that to all the prep work that I've put in for the last three years that I've been, oh, I guess almost five years that I've, I've been shooting a bow. Um, and also it's not a just poundage that is a good poundage for you, mm -hmm. not because yep. somebody else is shooting it. I think there's some of that that happens, you know, with when I exactly. talk to people is like, they're, I watch them pull their bow back and it's like, dude, you it's can barely pull that thing back. Like, why are you mm -hmm. shooting that? And it's somebody watched on YouTube or something like that. Yeah. You know. And, and so that's the thing too, is people kill animals with 50 pound bows. Um, it, we're not in the high school locker room anymore, guys. You don't need no. to, you know, measure <laughs> that's exactly, anymore. Like that's it's not, exactly right. it's not what it is anymore. It's, and, and people, you know, a lot of people don't like, I had so many people reach out to me after that podcast that were like, 
wait, you shoot 83 pounds. I'm like, yeah, well, we had no idea. Well, cause I don't, it's not a thing for me. I don't Why does like, I don't shoot right? 83 pounds to, to brag to people. Anybody. I shoot it because I like the speed and I like, I, I feel comfortable doing it, but I will tell you the first time I went to pull a bow back, I was, you know, I was, I'm young and I was like, man, I can, I can lift. I can, my shoulders are great. I've always focused on my back work as well. Like I'm fine. I went to pull 70 pounds back guys. I'm telling you, and it was a struggle. And the only reason I got it back was uh, out of sheer determination that I wasn't going to be embarrassed in front of the people at the bow shop. Like that was the only reason I was able to pull that back the first time. Well, I just started, I just started shooting back in February of last year. mm -hmm. It's the first time I've ever pulled a, a compound bow back in my life. And I think I started, you know, he, I'm, you know, I'm, I work out, I lift a lot. I'm not, you know, as thick as you, but I used to be. Um, and I've kind of, as I've gotten older, you know, like the, the whole different conversation, but I'm on a, a, a complete reset of my health due mm-hmm. to some injury and stuff and have lost a lot of weight, but the, that was, you know, he kind of set me up. I think he gave me a bow with like 70 pounds or 75 pounds on it. And I got it back, but it was freaking hard. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I go, this is too much. You know, for, I said, I need to be able to shoot something that I can actually pull back. Cause I said, I'm going to be shooting 50 arrows a day. I want to get good mm-hmm. at this. So I started shooting at 60 pounds and now I shoot 70. It's very comfortable for me, but I'm not trying to choose my pound weight based on ego or anything. It's just like, mm-hmm. what, what is comfortable and what can you do with a lot of repetitions? Cause that's how you get better. Exactly. Exactly. And that, and that's the thing too. So when I got my bow in, um, I, you know, with, at the time I was shooting a Hoyt and you can get the 10 pound range. So I had him turn it. So I, I wanted the 80 pound bow. Like that was, I was like, I'm going, that's a goal of mine. I want to be able to shoot it. I don't have the longest draw length. I want to be able to shoot a heavy bow so that I, I personally have the option to turn it down or get a heavier arrow and still have the speed that I want. I want that range of whatever I can do to tinker and whatever. So basically um, I had, I got the bow in and I had him turn it down to, it was like, it was at the very bottom of the range. It was like 72 pounds or something. And I watched videos from back then and I was struggling and I remember how freaking sore and it wasn't a, there's a difference between pain and sore. I wasn't in pain but those muscles were so sore. And I told myself for the first two weeks, I'm not going to have them turn it up until I, again, kind of like with the podcast thing, I'm just setting goals for myself and sticking to them. But it was, it was 20 reps a day, every single day for two weeks. And by the time those two weeks came around, my shoulder wasn't sore anymore. And we turned it up to 80 pounds. And then I got back to, well, my shoulder sore again, but it was 20 reps a day, every single day. And I, I had my bow for over a year before I actually went hunting with it. And that was again, another personal goal of mine that I didn't want to, I didn't want to have any, I, I wanted to take out all the variables possible. I wanted to be as ethical as possible with a bow. It's already a low percentage, you know, shot opportunity, let alone, um, you know, a kill versus a rifle if you're not hitting in the right spot. And so, right. um, I personally said that go not saying anyone has to do that, but me personally, I said, I want a year behind my bow before I go actually hunt a living thing. And so, um, you know, I, and, and then I also said, I think it, I bumped it down to 10, at least 10 reps a day, 10 arrows a day, if not more 
every single day that I'm at home or able to shoot uh, until I get my tag. And so that's something that I recommend to people too, is like, if you don't have the ability to necessarily shoot your bow every single day, get some stretchy bands and work your shoulders every single day in that similar motion. Now you don't have to be, I know there's funny TikToks or uh, Instagram reels on guys going out there and like holding the, the bar and then, you know, doing this with the cable, like it's funny, but there's better ways to work your shoulders so that you don't screw them up when it does come time to actually shoot your bow. And I'd say at least do it once a week, actual shooting your bow. Um, if, if you can't shoot every single day or multiple times a week. So fitness wise, going back to the fitness, just whatever you can do for daily investments into your fitness goals. So again, everyone can go for a walk. If you are just getting on your journey, I tell people add a 45 minute walk. If you're already, if you're watching Netflix for hours, take an hour of that <laughs> you Netflix have the time, right? Yeah. Take that hour of Netflix and guess what? They have an app on your phone that you can watch Netflix while you go for your walk. <laughs> so you may, you may actually do that. find that you don't want to watch Netflix when it, you go for your exactly, walk. Exactly. Cause you're going to trip over all the crooked things that are on your sidewalk. But you know, after you've busted your face a couple of times, then you turn Netflix off. But like, again, it's about making as minimal of a change as possible so that it can be consistent. Um, you know, you hear this a lot with people who carry pistols. If you have this big old 50 uh, Eagle, you know, cool, awesome gun. You're not sticking that in your pants for everyday carry. It's just not right. going to happen. So you get the SIG XL or for me, I'd, I'd carry the, the uh, Glock 43 X and I like mm -hmm. the SIG 365 X. Um, those are comfortable for me. Yes. I'm giving up some stuff versus a full size pistol, but guess what? Right. It's on my body every single day, period. The same way I'll carry it no matter what I've got on. Cause it's easy. To exactly. Carry. It'll fit in gym shorts. It'll fit in a fanny pack. It'll fit everywhere. And so mm -hmm. for me, I'm like, it's better than the gun that you leave at home. Same thing with fitness. That same principle applies. I'd rather you go for a 45 minute walk with Netflix on your phone than to sit your butt on the couch and watch Netflix. Then once you realize, Hey, this is a little bit easy add some weight to your back. Everyone has a Jansport backpack or something that you can throw books in the books that you don't use anymore from your college classes that you probably should have sold 10 years ago. Um, throw them in your backpack, go for a, a, a walk, same pace. Guess what? Everyone's phone nowadays too. You can time things. You can set paces. You can set distances. You don't have to have a fancy Garmin watch. If you have a Garmin watch, awesome or, some, or Fitbit, whatever, but make the small improvements every single day. Once that's easy, turn your phone off, turn on a podcast and go faster, set a different time for yourself. Um, you know, then start going to the gym. If you don't want to go to the gym, there's awesome things you can do from home. Uh, go Ruck, you know, as a sponsor of mine, but they're an amazing company to work with lifetime warranty on other stuff. Grab some sandbags from them and put a sandbag workout together. There's free sandbag workouts on their Instagram. There's uh, so much free information out there that you can piece together a workout program based on what you need. Um, knees over toes guys. Another guy I highly recommend for people to go check out. If you're doing anything in the mountains or carrying any kind of weight on your back, I don't care if your knees hurt now, they will eventually. And so, uh, go and check his stuff out. He's got a ton of free stuff. And all I do is heavy sled pulls and pushes with proper technique and any clicking and soreness and hurt that I had in my knees, it's gone. 
I went over so much deadfall and all this other crap uh, this this last year that I I was really surprised. I jumped off of logs with 40, 50 pound, you know, pounds on my back and didn't have any issues with my knees or my back or anything like that. So that all goes back to the daily investments. And I know I kind of went down a, a tangent there, but find something that you can get better at every single day and push yourself towards that for a month and then add something else, right? That's really what fitness is for, for me. And it's all mainly catered to the outdoors and family and also, you know, faith, it all ties together because God gave us these amazing bodies that um, it, it really blows my mind that more people don't uh, just keel over on a regular basis with how many things are going on in our bodies all at the same time. Uh, that for us to be able to function properly on a daily basis is a blessing, let alone taking advantage of that and overeating all these easily accessible calories and everything. For me, fitness is, it feeds into religion and even more so my spirituality and faith because it's me showing God that I'm grateful for the blessing that he has given me that even though I may not be the six, three basketball player, you know, I'm a stocky Irishman, Scotsman that can lift heavy weights and, and be comfortable under 150. Well, not sorry. Comfortable is not the right word. I am capable of carrying over 150 pounds of meat on my back down a mountain um, because of, because of the way the body that I've been provided by God. So um, all of those things tie in for me the faith, family, fitness, and the outdoors, because they're all uh, blessings from, from God. And they're all things that I've taken advantage of or taken for granted, I guess would be a better way of putting it. Um, and I, I don't want to do that anymore. Uh, and so I started down this journey and I just share it with other people through the podcast and the people that choose to listen, I hope to make their lives better um, as I'm going on my own journey. Cause I, you know, that's the other thing too, is I don't pretend to be any expert at anything. You know, I killed my first archery bull this year. I'm no expert at, at elk hunting at all, but I, you know, will forever be grateful for the people that I learned from that took them 10 years to kill their first archery bull. It took me three because I learned from their experiences. And so, um, and, and it's because of them that I was able to do it in such a shorter amount of time uh, rather than, you know, me saying it's all about me. Cause it, it's definitely not, it was, yeah. uh, you know, it's a, it, it's a mix of a bunch of things, but I just like sharing that with other people and I'm no expert. I'm just a normal Joe happens to have a cool red beard and have a ton of kids and enjoy <laughs> shooting bows. And, uh, and, and I really like gear. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a great point. I mean, as somebody who and will kind of use this as a good way to put a bow on it, but you know, I'm 55 years old and for the greater part of my life, I was, I did triathlons, I did CrossFit, I was in really, really good shape. And then literally right around 48, 49, I started to have this nerve issue and it was like all the way down my leg. Right. And, mm. and two, then a third back surgery. And by, you know, about by last summer, I had gained like 70 pounds over the course of the last five years because I literally couldn't do anything. Um, and, and I firmly believe this because it was, uh, it was prayer was like, there was no way out of this in terms of the way I was look, I was like, you know, my mid fifties and I could like, uh, I couldn't hardly walk to the end of the driveway without, you know, this nerve pain. <clears throat> and, 
and I, you know, I got put together with a physical therapist who I had failed physical therapy with two other people. They just kind of did STEM and all the normal stuff. And somebody connected me to this guy who, you know, he literally did my evaluation. He was like, what's your goal? And I said, what do you mean? He goes, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I can't really, I said, well, I, I can't really do much of anything that I used to do. He said, no, take all the blinders off. If you could do anything, what do you want to do? And I said, I'd like to be able to go out West and do an elk hunt. I said, but that's going to require, you know, 10, 12 miles of like with a 50 pound pack, 60 pound pack on my back, you know, six, seven days in a row. And he, he said, well, let's do the evaluation. Let me figure it out. And so we did, he did the, an hour and he said, I can get you there. He goes, this, all this nerve stuff, he goes, your back is okay. Now he said, all this nerve stuff is due to all your muscular imbalance because of, of the last five years and the way you've walked wrong. And he said, it's a mess, but we can get you there. And so that was January of 2023, December of 2022. Fast forward nine months later, I've lost 70 pounds. I'm rucking 10, 12 miles on the weekends. I've been shooting my bow for nine months. I'm whitetail hunting this year. It's, I've never bow hunted in my life. And I'm going elk hunting next year. So, A, I think it can always happen, right? I, I believe that God has the power to heal or at least has the power to put you with the right people to heal you. But B is don't ever check out. Don't ever think that there's not a way out of whatever situation you're in, no matter how bad your health is, because there's an answer. You just have to keep chopping wood until you find it and keep praying really hard, honestly. Exactly. And, and I think those two definitely go hand in hand is, you know, and, and another one of my favorite scriptures is faith without works is dead. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's so many people out there that will say, well, I prayed about it or, you know, I prayed to God and, and he accepted me. Well, like, okay, I, I, I get that, but I also look at it as a parent, you know, God, God is a parent and he wants you to learn through your experiences. He's not just going to poof it into your head. Um, he's got the power to do that, but how would that benefit you? Right. It's just like, if you give to your kids without them doing it, um, what do they learn? Mm -hmm. They don't learn anything, you know? Right. Uh, and so they, they get to, to, to do it without any work behind it. And then when, push comes to shove and they actually need to do it on their own, they're not able to. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm a firm believer of that. Yes, pray. But the way I pray and the, that I've learned to pray that seems to work. And uh, for me anyway, is just, you know, and, and we were taught this by Christ that, you know, it needs to be our father's will, you know, say, hey, this right. is laid out for him. This is what I would like, you know, with, with my elk, you know, I said, and I don't know how many times I've prayed this while I was hunting, but Father, just one shot opportunity, I would really appreciate. It. I don't even say, let me kill an elk. I just say, please, just one shot opportunity. And then my action of having prepared for the last few years, that's when my stuff comes into play. Mm -hmm. He could pull the bow. I could just hold the bow up and he could pull it back and do whatever he wanted to. But that wouldn't give me the experience that I need. And it wouldn't be as special as just, you know, this first archery elk. All I asked for was one shot opportunity. And I said, if it's your will, if not, I've had an amazing experience. Thank you so much for nature, everything that I've been in uh, and the time that I was able to spend with some amazing individuals during that trip. I opened my eyes and the bull was right there. 
couldn't have been a more perfect spot unless he was like 30 yards away instead of 70. But, <laughs> you know, other than that, like it was just, and I had prepared for that. And, and there, there's so many things that, you know, you can pray for your health to get better, but what are you doing? Right. You went out and you took the time to go to a physical therapist and find the right one. That physical therapist had gone through so many different things to find the right way to ask the question of what are your goals rather than I'm just going to take the paycheck from the insurance. Mm -hmm. Um, what can I charge you while you're on insurance? You know, there's so many of them out there like that as well. When you find the ones that actually ask you what your goals are, that's outstanding. But you went, you prayed for better health and then you went and put in the work. You didn't just sit back and like, all right, well, God's going to somehow liposuction and fix my, uh, fix my, my nerve problem too. Right. Um, you know, you went out and you did the work, you put in the work and you're having results and, uh, he's opening doors for you. So, yeah, um, that's how I, I think, treat it. And, I think sometimes God answers your prayers when he knows that you're ready to do the work, right? He's, oh yeah. he's if, if it's like, yeah, I'll give you what you're asking for, but you may not be in the right place in your life where you're mm -hmm. ready to receive it the right way, or you're actually ready to do what you need to do after that to maximize the gift I'm going to give you then sometimes you're going to have to wait. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, is what it is, but yeah, God, so, I God mean, is overall watching us. Yeah. This was great, man. I mean, like, obviously I didn't know that it was going to go this direction, but I, I loved it. That's what I said. This is why I like to do this is I never know how these conversations are going to go, but they always end up being good. And this was really, really cool. Like I, um, I'm looking forward to talking to you again, both on here, but also offline and just, you know, picking your brain on stuff that could help me getting ready for next year. And, um, I really, really appreciate you being here, man. It's been awesome. Thank you so much for the time. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I always love good conversations and, uh, and especially if they involve the four things that I always love talking about. So <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> all right, cool. Thanks brother. I appreciate it a bunch. Yeah, of course, man. And then, uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. I appreciate it, man. That's, that's awesome.